0: Are you ready to be stirred and receive an impartation of faith to move forward into all that God has purposed for your life? Welcome to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. I am your host, Elaine Haynes. I will be sharing what the Lord has given me through the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the Logos and Rhema words of God. Welcome to Stirring of the Waters. I'm your host, Elaine Haynes. In today's episode 19, let the Word of God Separate Your Soul from Your Spirit, Part 2. I'm going to open in prayer first. So, Father God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open the ears, Lord, of every listener, that you would speak through me your word, that you would give enlightenment and revelation and empowerment, Lord God, to be able to live a life fully yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So just in quick summary from last week, since this is a part two, it's the Word of God that separates the soul from the Spirit. Jesus is the Word, and He is the High Priest, and He's the one that does that as we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal and show us the separated entities, the mind of our own soul versus the mind of Christ. So we exercise our will to choose how we will live once we see the separation. And until we yield our soul to our spirit, the spirit cannot rule. Romans 8, 5 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal or fleshly mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So I'm going to give you what I think is a really, really great example. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now I brought up this last week, specifically about how the enemy will bring doubt about God's word. But we're going to go a little deeper today. It gives us a really... great example of the war. So the serpent was more subtle, or crafty, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, which she added that piece, lest ye die. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So the devil brought a different thought in conflict with the word of God that he heard, ye shall not surely die. That's the devil's thought. Basically calling God a liar. Then he cast aspersion on God's character and motives by saying, implying that he was holding something back from them. Basically saying that God knows when you eat of the tree, your eyes are going to be open and you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. So after they ate, they knew they were naked. They didn't know that before. Now shame and guilt came because they saw themselves being naked as bad. So their eyes were opened to good and evil, right and wrong. Their covering of the Shekinah glory was removed. No longer were they in communion with the Ruach breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God. So There's a direct correlation here between the temptation in the garden and the body, soul, and spirit. The Apostle Paul tells, John, excuse me, tells us in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's pretty strong right there. So what is in the world? He goes on to tell us, for all that is in the world, now again, if we love the world, and we're going to hear what that is, the love of the Father is not in us. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he goes on to say, it's not this is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we're talking about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So what is the lust of the eyes? Things that are pleasing to look at. Brings covetedness. We start comparing we give it a good or evil thing, a bad or good. Well, I like this, you know, We things that we choose to look at that we enjoy looking at. There's nothing wrong with, you know, I mean, I love to look at, at nature, at God's creation. It's absolutely beautiful. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about seeing through, things through the eyes of perception of what's going to be pleasing to us. It goes along with the flesh, the lust of the flesh, what's good to eat, pleasing our body and our soul's desires. I'm going to get a little more into this, a little deeper, you'll see. And then the pride of life, I think that's pretty obvious. Self-oriented, self-pleasing, fame, title, money, being a self-made man, pride and ego. It's our desire for knowledge, priding the intellect, being puffed up, a knowledge that we use so we can have control over our lives. It's being our own God versus trusting God and being led by his spirit, praising ourselves rather than God. So Satan told Eve her eyes would be opened and they would be as gods. This implies their eyes were closed. Think about this. If somebody tells you, oh, if you have this, then this great thing's going to happen. It's implying you don't have it, that you're missing out, that you're lacking something, that God's withholding something in this case. The truth is they were already one with God, made in his image, in perfect communion, given dominion over the earth. God had already given them what Satan implied they didn't have. Satan wants us to forget that we have the mind of Christ, that we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, and that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Satan will always have us look at ourselves thinking, we're lacking, and, and get us to that place of lusting after something else to make ourselves feel better, look better, No more. And again, in, in that mind, that's that good and evil versus the tree of eternal life. We have everything that we need in Christ. Everything. And if we seek first the kingdom, anything that we need will be given to us. So what's the answer here? It's the word of God. In this case, they chose to believe something other than what God had said. Jesus is the Word. The Holy Spirit reveals Jesus in the Word. He is the source of our life. He created all things. He's the author and finisher of our faith. The works that were ordained for us before the foundation of the world were created in Him. Our purpose and our destiny are found in Him. The only way we can find out and fully live out our destiny is through him and in him. In him we live and move and have our being. All things are from him and through him and to him. He is the source. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha. He's the omega. And the devil will come along and tell us we need something else, that it's not enough, that he's not enough. So to live by our spirit and not our soul... How do we do that? We're born again. We've received him. He bears witness. The Holy Spirit will bear witness to the word and our conscience will be activated in that area. If we start to live out by our natural mind, our emotions or our flesh, again, those areas that want to please self, that don't want to come into alignment with God's word, that don't want to do what he says, basically, our conscience will be pricked if we start to live in that area, if we start to go against what God's word says. Because we know we are spirit beings. We have been, if we're reborn, we have the spirit of Christ in us. So our conscience is going to be pricked. There will be an internal warring. Our flesh will be at enmity, a war against the spirit, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. Galatians 5.17 We crucify our flesh with its affections and lusts. We recognize that Jesus has already paid the price. We already received salvation. We are dead to sin. We're buried with Christ in baptism and raised to new life. Sin has no power over us or control over us unless we give in. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, here's the answer. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Think about that for a minute. It's your reasonable service. After all that he's done, I mean, he saved you from the pit of hell. He saved you from certain destruction. I can speak that as a testimony in my life. I know if I had not received him, I would I would have been dead a long time ago. And even if I hadn't, what did I deserve? You know, when it comes to judgment day, I know what I deserve. And <clears throat> so it's my reasonable service to live for him. And that's just, that's just the starting place, the reasonable service, because there's such blessing that comes with it. But I'll continue with the rest of verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Again, what, what it said in 1 John, that all that's in the world is not of the Father. That be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now catch the order there. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're talking about to the word of God. And when we are transformed, then our lives begin to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know, so many times it's always, the said paradox of the kingdom. We want to know first. We want to understand first. But that's not, we want, to, we want to see it first, but that's not how it works. We do what God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God's word is powerful. His word builds up our spirit man so much. If we continue to get in his word and let the word get in us, it builds up our spirit man until we are in, it is, the the spirit is in ascendancy over the soul. Then it's not a huge issue of trying to make it in ascendancy. It's it's not of trying to, because the, the more that your mind is renewed, the more that you're creating patterns Continuing alignment to the truth, doing the truth, obeying the truth, as the Spirit reveals, we create new habits of mind and behavior. We have strongholds. What are they? They're patterns of thought and reinforced by behavior. That's what creates the stronghold. We break those old strongholds through God's Word and allow His Word and Spirit to build godly strongholds that can overcome all things, Christ in us. 1 Peter 1 and 22 says, Since you have purified your soul by your obedience to the truth. If you want to live a Holy Spirit-led life of power, to bring God's kingdom to the earth in your sphere of influence, to not be a reproach to his name, to be a pure vessel so his glory is seen and known, you will walk a narrow walk. God hears your heart. He knows that's what you want. He hears your heart. He's heard your prayers. And Holy Spirit will convict you. Your conscience will be pricked when your desires are not in line. Why? So you can surrender them to his perfect will and fulfill his calling on your life. This will be the walk. And when you don't follow, your communion will be hindered. There will not be the fruit you want. You won't have a powerful overcoming life. We can't live as the world does. The world has infiltrated Christianity and its leaders, and we wonder why we aren't seeing revival. When we surrender, our spirits will be joined to the Lord's Spirit as one in our experience, and we will be hidden in Christ with God, manifesting His life and bearing much fruit. We will be holy vessels of honor, set apart for His glory, living differently from the world. It's what the world is waiting for. All creation is groaning to see the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. This is not living in a religious way, it's in relationships so close to the Lord that we timidly shrink back from anything that will hinder our hearing, our deep communion, and seeing Him moving in our lives. Now, many of you are walking in this, and I want to share with you I recently had a very deep experience of further surrender. There's not just a one time surrender, it is ongoing. And then this recent time, the Lord spoke to me. He met me so beautifully. I'm going to share this with you. And here's what I heard him say. I have seen your surrender. Recompense shall be rendered. It's due time. Get ready for recompense. The Lord has seen the wrestling in your heart, the release of what had been deeply held, and you're yielding to his leading. He has seen your willingness to place on the altar what you have desired in your heart. You've surrendered under the light of the probing of his spirit. You've refused to justify your soulish desires with worldly reasoning. He's seen your tears. He's seen your soul's anguish as you released dreams, relationships, property, and goods to follow him fully. You've been misunderstood, even mocked by many, some closest to you. For you're walking the narrow way that few choose. Your eyes are set on glorifying Jesus and seeing the advancement of the kingdom of God. You've seen the heavenly city afar off. You've experienced a measure of glory. You've tasted and seen and will not settle for less. I declare to you that now is the time of great release, of recompense. My recent wrestling of soul versus spirit was about something that we had planned. There was not anything wrong with it. It was not sinful in any way, shape, or form. But it was pricking my conscience because I want to live my life fully for him. I want to be a good steward of our money. And I wanted to be completely led by his spirit, walking circumspectly and redeeming the time. In my heart of hearts, I knew it was not the main reason for my planning it. I was rationalizing it. I was justifying that I would, I would get opportunities to be used by him, because that had happened in times past. But God had not led me to do it. In fact, I had not asked him about doing it. Also, it wasn't being a good steward of our mind. It was something my soul would take pleasure in. So it was another surrender, and it was an experience of deep anguish in my soul, even while my spirit rejoiced knowing he is worthy of it all. The Spirit of the living God spoke Mark 10.30 to me, and he confirmed it with a dream the following night and three witnesses over the next few days. He reminded me of times past when I surrendered to him and walked the lonely road for his sake. It is due time for recompense. Here's what he spoke. He spoke this scripture to me. I didn't think it up on my own. I didn't, you know, try to find a verse to apply to my life to help me get through it. No, I fully surrendered to him because of conviction. And here's what he spoke to me. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. That's Mark 10 and 30. Now I can tell you this: that there's a persecution of your soul that you'll go through, and I'm not saying that there won't be persecution in a Christian's life, of the kind that we think of in foreign lands. Yes, there will. That may come, but there is a persecution of your soul. The enemy is persecuting you, and there is a strong persecution against your soul that you have to war. That you have to lay when you lay it down. um, It brings that laying of down. So as a prophet, I have found that I often first experience what is what will be coming to many in the days to come. So be prepared. Be prepared. Be ready for deeper surrendering. And I can tell you, this is not a name-it-and-claim-it type of thing. This, this is for surrendered ones, those who have given up much for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord, those who have been willing to lose their own life and have found true life in Him. It is due time for release of recompense. Be expectant. He is bringing the recompense for he's seen your heart and can trust you because he's seen that your desire is doing his will and building his kingdom. There has been a measure restored for God will not be mocked. And As you've sown, you've reaped. But watch and see the hundredfold return for surrendering, forsaking all for his sake. You can expect the increase of all that is necessary to advance the kingdom of God. When you surrender, you can expect this. Resources, grace, deeper communion and anointing. And the most important And necessary thing for advancing the kingdom is more of Christ manifesting through every area of your life. The Spirit of the Lord says, I have seen your surrender. Recompense shall be rendered. Now I can tell you, I've shared that word with you in a little bit of my personal um, recent surrender, but I can tell you that within a few days of this current surrender, there was a huge blessing, a financial blessing. Truly it was a recompense that occurred. And I didn't do it expecting it. Again, I only wanted more of him, and it was a deep work in my heart after I refused to live by my soulish mind again. What is that? It's my rational thinking, my justifying, my, um, my personal desires. That's the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit reasoning through it. Well, there's nothing wrong with this. Well, everybody does it. Well, I deserve this. And again, it wasn't anything sinful at all wasn't anything sinful well. but had I taken the scripture in my mind beforehand saying I'm doing this because I know what God's Word says it says that that if I give up things it can't come that way not to truly have that thing broken off of you that that's you want to live in the spirit you want to have the, 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 the flesh crucified we do but that that separation of the soul and spirit is the work of the cross it's the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the spirit of the living God in your soul, taking his finger and bringing it down into that place to where it's a deep work, where you refuse to live by your soulish mind. And we surrender because he's worthy of it all. And we that's all we care about is his presence. From that place, blessing will come. Again, it's that paradox. Each time we surrender to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and lay on the altar what he reveals, not what we think up, what we think we need to give up, but what he reveals, and willingly choose the Lord's interests over our own, decreasing so that he increases. There is deeper communion opened up, and there is reward. There's the reward of his presence. There's reward of, of again, greater, greater anointing, greater presence. What else can I say? There is nothing greater than his presence, than communion with him. Next week, I'm going to be talking more about this in the sense of the trying of the Word of God, which is part of the process of the sanctification of our souls. Again, our spirit is saved, but our soul is in that process of being saved or sanctified, made holy. As we become more and more conformed to the image of Christ, which is what God desires for our life. Paul said he labored all the more until they be conformed to Christ. You will receive revelation and application for your life. So you do not waste the time that's given. You can expedite the process and fulfill your destiny in Christ Jesus. So I encourage you to tune in next week. So Father, I just pray, Lord God, that the words of your mouth, the words from your spirit that were spoken today, Lord God, the power of your word, it would go deep into good ground because the ground that has been furrowed up. Lord God, it would spur each listener on to greater heights, to deeper walk with you, Lord God. That they would see that city that is afar off whose builder and maker is God. That they would desire to have that life lived in the spirit where you build up their inner man by your word and your spirit of life moving upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Stirring of the Waters podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit ElaineHaines.com. That's A-L-A-N-E-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com for books, blogs, and spiritual growth. You can follow me on Facebook and subscribe at cpnshows.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you next week for the next episode.